a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, maybe, maybe. The, the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that will be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more well, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. And what was that name of that book called by Bayer? Uh, Theology the Lutheran Way? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you should grab that, that one. Uh, so, on uh, today's program for Table Talk Radio is we, uh, Praise Song Cruncher, Ten Commands of the News, and the Mysterious Bible Study Game, not in any particular order. <laughs> not game. The Bible Study, not game. <laughs> ah game. It's an ah game. The, the, you get that? The Alpha. very serious <laughs> segment of Table Talk Radio where we study the Bible. Zero fun. I have, by the way, on my desk here, if you think this is interesting, I have uh, a printout from the Project Wittenberg, the LCMS thing on nomenclature. Oh, brother. And then I have an article on Mormon's Heavenly Mother. And then I have a news article about elephant dung coffee. And then I have a Ninja Turtle mug and also an Aurora Police Department mug. I think, by the way, this is a exciting desktop right here. <laughs> I'm ready for table talk today. On my desk, I have the little uh, little desktop figurine of the Android guy. You know, the little Android. Yeah, yeah, I know guy. that guy. He's holding a little robot. Droid Razor Green flag. Robot. So he's on my desk, and then some other dishes <laughs> I need to take to the kitchen at some point. <laughs> uh, so, do you have a theological buzzword? I do. Here it is. Heavenly Mother. <laughs> Ready? Mormon author Warren Aston writes about that religion's other deity. It's gospel doctrine 101 that we are the children of God. Our spirits are the children of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother in the most literal sense possible. This is the Mormon doctrine. You get it? You, pay, you with me here? Uh-huh. I have, We have within us the genes of godhood, the potential to develop and grow into the glorious exalted beings they are. We lived with them before coming to earth to gain physical bodies in their likeness, male and female. <laughs> so Mr. Aston goes on to criticize. I'm reading, by the way, this is from Gene Veet's blog. I'm going on to criticize some of his fellow Mormons for not emphasizing the Heavenly Mother as much as she deserves. Now, 
This, of course, is idolatry and false doctrine, that there would be both a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. It's exactly the kind of nonsense that the Mormons, uh, that sorry, that the Muslims accuse the Christians of. Remember how the, how the Muslims say it? Uh, God can't have a son because he doesn't have a wife. <laughs> and Mormons say, he sure does. <laughs> <laughs> of course, when Mormons are fighting with Muslims, it's like two brothers fighting with each other. I mean, they're basically the same thing. But anyway, uh, well, I'm going to make a prediction now that this that this doctrine of the Heavenly Mother becomes more and more popular and emphasized in Mormonism to especially appeal to the Greenpeace folk and to all the Mother Earth folk. <laughs> so, um, so you're asking me to work in the phrase Heavenly Mother as natural as possible during the course of this conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay. That shouldn't be a problem. You do it all the time. (laughs) I hope I just don't slip and say it accidentally. Um, (laughs) I just, by the way, if anyone's checking uh, if that's a right or wrong buzzword, that is wrong. Did I mention that it's idolatrous? I think so. I think that was pretty clear. I, at the last minute, just decided to change my theological buzzword for no particular reason whatsoever. And now your theological buzz phrase is funeral, Paul. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I just, you know, whenever I uh, uh, didn't have time to find a buzzer, I just look at the glossary of LSB, and Funeral Paul is in here. So the Funeral Paul is a, a large white cloth that covers a casket, reminding us that we are clothed in Christ's righteousness through baptism, Galatians 3.27. Do you have a Funeral Paul at Hope Lutheran Church? Indeed. Nice. Uh, we don't have one, but I would love love to get one. So Funeral Paul, try to work that one in. All right, no problem. Okay, so we're going to... I think I got a better uh, chance than you. What was it before that? <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, suffrages. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'll save that one for another one. Now, let's let's start yep. off with some Ten Commandments in the news. Now, the point of this game is to get us to be thinking in the categories of the commandments. So uh, Pastor Wolfner is about to uh, tell me about a news item, and uh, my task is to uh, bring about that news item in light of the Ten Commandments. What of the Ten Commandments does that story deal with? We do have this idea that that everything in creation uh, falls into these institutions that God has given us. So Fifth Commandment institutes life. Sixth Commandment institutes uh, marriage. Fourth Commandment institutes the family. Seventh Commandment institutes private property, etc. So that that all the things that are going on around us are falling into these different categories. So, are you ready? Ready. Headline... Golden Triangle, Thailand. Elephant dung coffee. Brew at $50 a poop. <laughs> what are you talking the, about? <laughs> this, uh, listen, I have a, that's just a headline. In the lush hills of northern Thailand, a herd of 20 elephants is helping to excrete some of the world's most expensive coffee. Trumpeted as, and trumpeted not to be understood literally, <laughs> as earthy in flavor and smooth on the palate, the exotic new brew is made from beans eaten by Thai elephants and plucked a day later from their dung. A gut reaction inside the elephant creates what his founders calls the coffee's unique taste. Mmm, <laughs> tastes like... Yes, At $500 unique is probably the right pound, word. <laughs> did you hear that? $500 per pound, wow. black ivory coffee... Black Ivory, is, <laughs> is also among the world's priciest. It's launched last month with a few luxury hotels in remote corners of the world at about $50 a serving. When an elephant eats coffee, its stomach acid breaks down the protein found in coffee, which is a key factor in bitterness, explains Blank Dinkin, who spent $300,000 developing the brew. 
I want to know, by the way, what other animals he experimented with, you know, <laughs> like hippos or I wonder, you know what, who's really going to strike it rich is whoever figures out how to sell coffee or pre-digested by whales. <laughs> is that it? Go. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Uh, do you need more? No, do that's enough. More Please, that is enough. Okay. Uh, so we're dealing, anytime we're dealing with anything, we're dealing with God. So it's the first commandment. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, when we're dealing with um, uh, Man, commerce, we're thirsty. dealing with uh, uh, money and products. This is the seventh commandment. And, yeah, true. And true possibly enough. even the ninth commandment, if you're coveting because your neighbors. <laughs> Although I think this might be exempt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, No one has ever <laughs> coveted so my... good. <laughs> That reminds me when I was a kid and we used to go to the zoo. <laughs> Elephants have really good memory, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. You could be alert and sharpen your memory. Um, okay, seventh could, commandment. Could, could we also maybe have the fourth commandment here? Because whenever we're dealing with some sort of a commerce, too, there is regulation involved. Yeah. And so, so somewhere in there, I'm really stretching here. This is the fourth commandment. That's all I got. What else? What else could you say for that? Well, one? you have to. If you don't drink coffee, you die. So that's the fifth commandment. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a need of the body. That's right. I can't believe you forgot that. All right. Thanks for that story. No wonder you, you thought that we'd have time for two. Here's another one. Uh, Get it? Two. <laughs> oh, boy. That's bad. Uh, the headline reads: Childhood obesity down 13.3 percent in Mississippi. There's some good news uh, in the fight against childhood obesity. <laughs> Can we have our, all of our Mississippi listeners write in and, and talk about uh, if they've seen, that they've witnessed this decrease in child obesity? Anyway, The thinning of the children. <laughs> There's some good news in the fight against childhood obesity. Several areas of the country are seeing a slight drop in the rates, and Mississippi is one of the states on the list. Researchers say that the numbers are down 13.3%. Uh, in Mississippi, it's not a huge decrease, but it does mean that the state is on the right track. 13.3 is huge. If I could lose 13.3% of my weight, there would be anything in me left. I don't think that's how they calculated it. All right, how much do you weigh now? Ooh, you lost 13.3%. Um, New York oh, City, I see. Philadelphia. The of these children probably yes, dropped. Yes, yes. I see, I see. The, the state right, of California are also of on the decline. Uh, analysis point to better access to fresh food, improve school nutrition, and more visible calorie information. All right, so um, you're just about uh, 30 seconds here. What do you have on that one? Well, this is so. I think this has to do with the fifth commandment, and that is being alive. Uh, this also has to do with because children. It has to do with the fourth commandment: fathers, parents, etc. And it had it mentioned the schools there. That's also an extension of the fourth commandment. All authority comes from the authority of parents. And uh, that's sometimes given to the schools. Uh, so Fifth Commandment. And then I suspect uh, government's in their Fourth Commandment. And like you said, every commandment has to do with God. Or, uh, first Commandment. So there you go. Yes. And one one could make uh, a God out of their food, too. Yeah, yeah that's true. Their God is their stomach. Right. So, okay. Uh, we're going to take a break on Table Talk Radio. When we get back, it's the Praise Song Cruncher. Stay tuned right after this. Tell me once again who's fat. 
Table Talk Radio, where theology meets immaturity. All right, Pastor, you ready for a voicemail? Oh, I'm ready. Here it is. Hey, guys. It's your your non-Calvinist listener here in Pennsylvania. Um, I just listened to your table scraps issue of... um, of, of hiring and firing of pastors and such. And I have two questions, uh, and, and you're welcome to sidestep these questions if you like, because um, I realize they might uh, touch... All right, we'll do... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. ...on some touchy <laughs> subjects. Um, and one is, is um, uh, one of polity, and the other is, is one of um, uh, just practice and uh, theology, for that matter. Um, one uh, is a historical question. Um, back in the day, with the old um, Seminex days, I um, I've, I'd had heard, and I think I even read that uh, the president of of one of your seminaries, when all that bad stuff was happening, that instead of defrocking um, the bad uh, professors, he fired them, and then of course from there they went out into the districts and received calls and such. And so my question, first of all, is is um, is that true? And if so, um, you know, what sort of implications did that have for? the Missouri Synod. And the second question is, um, I've also heard, um, well, whether it's issues, et cetera, or um, uh, some other uh, places, um, that there are some who say that uh, the only form of church is the local congregation. And if that's the case, um, then what role does Synod, whether it's circuit pastor, district president, um, those higher offices, higher, of course, in, in a um, purely, you know, organizational way of speaking, um, those, those offices of circuit pastor and also district president, what role um, do they play in, uh, in church discipline um, if, after all, as, uh, as some voices have said, that synod is only advisory? So um, if you could please address those questions, that would be wonderful. Uh, thanks for uh, the, uh, the table scraps and then the other stuff, too. All right, bye-bye. Okay, uh, let's take a second question first, shall we? Because I think that'll pave the way to help us answer the first one. Uh, yeah, what was so, the second question? Uh, is the church in the form of the local congregation only? Let's let's talk about oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, look, the church is the Lord's people gathered around his word to, uh, to and receiving his gifts. So in, in its sense, the church is... Uh, is the congregation, but do do congregations are we able to recognize other congregations and rejoice in the kind of broader fellowship of the unity of doctrine? Yes, and the church has always recognized that 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 it is the Lord's church throughout all uh, throughout all the world, so that we're part of the same church as our brothers and sisters in Christ right, in but, far reaches of the ocean. But specifically, I think he's comparing it then to like uh, a seminary or a. Uh, a purple palace in St. Louis or something like that. <clears throat> right, right. I mean, the, you, you, the, this, the, the, the question gets tricky in this way, and this is a tricky question, and I think the end of all sorts of mischief uh, in the church, because the farther away a, a person who is called gets from the things that they're, a person who is called to do things is called to the things that they're called to do. Got it? Mm-hmm. Like, for example, baptizing, preaching, teaching, and administering the sacraments. The farther a person is away from those sorts of things, then the weirder their whatever the thing that they have called a call is. Uh, So the farther away a person is from the parish uh, and all this sort of stuff, then the very, uh, then the stranger the idea of a call becomes. So, you, you know, you take a guy and you, we got, 
seminary professors, and they're called. Well, they're a step away from the altar. And then you have, uh, you know, synodical bureaucrats, and they're two or three steps away from the altar. And you have school teachers, and they're never really at the altar, but they have a call. You have a DCE who's doesn't baptize or, or or preach. I mean, that's not their, their that's not their calling, and yet they have a call. So the farther it gets, more and more complicated. The farther and farther the call gets from the gifts of God. This is proof for uh, my my hurrah of saying that we should reserve the word call for the divine call into the office of the holy ministry. I think that we would just clear yeah. up a lot of confusion if we just did that. Now, okay, so yep. would that explain then why? During the Simonex days, um, the professors were fired rather than defrocked because they didn't have a divine call into the holy office. Uh, probably. That's that would probably be the idea. Okay, then. The idea. Now, what role then does a DP or synod have in terms of church discipline if they, um, if they are not the church proper? That is where the local congregation is. Right. Yeah, it's a, I mean it's a bit of a mess because because when the church goes broad like that, when you don't when the church is a bit removed from word and sacrament, what then happens is, uh, it, it um, uh, you you the unity that the church has then is uh, uh, is the theological unity, and in some ways the um, the district president does have something to say about theological unity. That's what we've put him there for. But anyway, and, and I think there it's terms of agreement, right? So that we. Um, I mean, the Bible doesn't say you have to have a district president, um, but we in the Missouri Synod have said we're, we're placing ourselves underneath a, a district president for the purpose of theological unity. Right, that's right. So, okay. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Now it's time for the Praise Song Cruncher. Now, in case oh. you're new to Table Talk Radio, because we, we know take you a praise are, song, we feed it to the elephant <laughs> and see what's left. <laughs> Taste it on the other side. <laughs> Roast it up and drink away. You can go to our That's website disgusting. at tabletalkradio.org, and then on the homepage you'll see the uh, image there, the Praise Song Cruncher 2.0. Go ahead and click on that and print it out, and uh, you will be able to follow along then as we uh, play the Praise Song Cruncher. There's five questions to the Praise Song Cruncher. Is Jesus mentioned? Is it mystical in form or content? Uh, is long gospel rightly divided? And are there any explicit, is there any, any explicit false teaching? And uh, through those five questions, you'll be able to crunch praise songs at your leisure. Now, we have an email here. This is from uh, Brandon. Uh, it says, Dear Table Talk Hosts, I've been listening to your podcast since October of 2011. Boo! <laughs> I think you get some sort of award for that. Um, I've never gotten Boo. around to sending you sending you guys an email or anything of a sort. I am a 14-year-old homeschooler from California, and I have a couple of suggestions for your show. First of all, some crunch requests. Can you crunch the songs White Flag by Passion and Manifesto by the City Harmonic? I think the first one is very mystical, but the other doesn't seem too bad. At least not for me, but you guys are the experts, right? And then, uh, uh, let's see, Brandon here has some uh, church signs, too. I'll go ahead and read them off. I don't know if I'll have time for it. But second, uh, some church signs. During the year, I would carpool to a class, and I would always pass a certain church that always had a different sign. Here's just a couple. Jesus is life. The rest is details. Impress your mom. Go to church. 
I hope you guys talk about these. By the way, I once listened to five of your shows in one day. I guess I I guess I throw off the average daily limit of shows, which is apparently three. But Pastor Wolfman's calculations are probably off. Anyway, keep up or start doing <laughs> hey, good work. Brandon. Hey, hey, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. I take great offense to that. <laughs> I take great offense to any sort of insult. <laughs> How many shows did you listen to in a row? Five in a row? Five in a row. Yeesh. That's got to be a show. Now, no, did we, we have all these marathoning car trippers. That's dangerous. I mean, ugh, you guys are flirting with disaster. It's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just taking a cup of my fancy uh, coffee here. All right. I was waiting for you to say something. Are we going to play a song? Yeah, let's play this. This first one is White Flag. <laughs> now, this is performed by, by Chris Tomlin, and it's on the Passion 2012 CD. So I, I hope this is the song that Brandon is referring to. Uh, but here's a song by Chris Tomlin. Sansa reads, here on this holy ground you made a way for peace, lying down your bo- laying your body down, you took our rightful place. This freedom song is marching on. We lift the cross, we lift it high, lift it high. Hmm. This is really something. I, th- th- I, wow. I, this, is fa- this song is fascinating. Uh-oh. All right, let's see uh, how it does in the cruncher. Well, what, what fascinates you, first of all? Well, because it's this play on this word surrender, mm-hmm. which is one of the, I mean, surrender is one of these key mystical words. Does it make it in the cruncher? Is, does, does something talk, does the cruncher oh, use yeah. the word surrender? In, in, in mystical content, we have uh, uh, three, loss of self. Does the song talk about losing our identity, being lost in God, absorbed, consumed, engulfed? Are we surrendering, abandoning ourselves, etc.? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because see, surrender has two different senses. I, by the way, know this because I even can confirm it. I looked it up in Wikipedia, and look, <laughs> there's there's two there's two um there uh what's the thing called when it's in Wikipedia? Uh, Fictitious. A thing in Wikipedia? No, uh, <laughs> not excerpt, <laughs> not insert. What? What's I don't know. I've, I'm not. I'm not like an Wikipedia article thing. expert. I'm sorry. No, no. You know, like a uh, like it's in an encyclopedia. A, a an thing entry. In a, uh, an yeah. entry. Yeah, that's okay. what it is. An entry. <laughs> I didn't know we're using a normal vocabulary. Sorry. I didn't know. I just couldn't think of the word. My anyway. theological buzzword for you is entry. <laughs> <laughs> There's two entries for surrender in Wikipedia. Surrender quote religion and surrender quote military. There was two. It means two different things. 
I mean, did you consult like a real dictionary or anything like that? No, but I will right now. (laughs) As you crunch this song, I'm looking it up. It'll be a uh, website dictionary too. No, I have this huge dictionary. Listen. (laughs) Okay. This dictionary is so big that I use this thing when we do the. What is that thing called when you shut the door at the end of the Good Friday service? Boom. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. The boom. Dramatic. Haven't done that lately, but when I. When I do do that, I use this dictionary. That's how big it is. Anyhow, it'll take me a couple minutes to find the word surrender. Go ahead. Okay, well, uh, well let's, let's see if Jesus is mentioned. Uh, let's see, Jesus, ooh, he is only mentioned, I mean, this is probably the person they're talking about when they say laying down your body, uh, probably talking about Jesus, but Jesus is not mentioned by name otherwise. Um, you made a way for peace, laying your body down, you took our rightful place. What does that mean? Laying your body down? On the cross? That's weird. Oh, that would be pinning your body up. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know. Mel, because, now, Mel you normally Gibson's, would talk about like uh, laying, a, <laughs> laying aside your body would be like, so you, like, you put it down and you go somewhere else. Uh, you see what I mean? Like leaving your body... Laying your body down. Maybe he says you let yourself be kind of put in the tomb, but that Jesus was putting himself in the tomb? That's a weird way to say that. Hmm. That's a weird line. I didn't even notice that. I'm stuck on surrender. Someday I'm going to find it here. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, okay. Well, okay. Then the next one is mystical form. Uh, truth. So does it have a subject, verb, and object? Um, the battle rages on as storm and tempest roar. We cannot win this fight inside our rebel hearts. Uh, we have some fragments going on there. Some sentences, but some fragments here. All to you, all for you. We surrender. Those are all sentence fragments. Mm-hmm. We surrendered. That's a sentence. Uh, re- Noun verb. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um... Repetition is uh, fairly high on this. Um, or maybe not. Do you see the repetition? I'm looking at surrender here. Hold on. Battle rage of No, it, it, yeah, it's not too repetitious. I mean, this word surrender. We lift the cross. What does that mean? Lift it high, lift it high. What is the, how did the cross sneak in here at the end? This freedom song is marching on. You took it. We lift the cross, lift it high. Like, uh, like we instead of lifting the white flag of surrender, we raise our right flag, we surrender to you. Now we're lifting the cross in its place. On, hmm. on mystical form, which only deals with uh, sentences and repetition, I am going to mark this as a five, right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're on to content. Now you have yes. our immediate and uh, loss of self. So do you find the, the word surrender in the dictionary? Yes, yes, yes. Um, to, so here, just, they, they're not going to separate this between the military, maybe of insurance in law, yielding yourself, the act of surrendering, the act of yielding the castle to an enemy, surrender a right or claim in insurance. It has a use here. Uh, surrender, to yield to the power of another, to give or deliver up possession upon uh, compulsion or demand as to surrender one's person to an enemy to surrender a fort or a ship, to yield especially voluntarily in favor of another, to resign in favor of another, to cease to claim or use, to surrender a right or privilege, to surrender a place or an office, etc., to give up or abandon, to make surrender of. I think, actually, oddly enough, 
I want to look at the Wikipedia things here because it's going to give the de- definition of surrender in religion. Um, and it says to surrender in spirituality and religion means that a believer completely gives up his own will and subjects his thoughts, ideas, and deeds to the will and teaching of a higher power. It may be contrasted with submission, surrenders, willful acceptance, and yielding to a dominating force and their will. Oh, my goodness. Everything is wrong with this. <laughs> Everything. I mean, <laughs> oh. Some, you know, I, I have to, I, uh, on, what's today, Wednesday? I was on Monday over at the uh, Doubletree Hotel because... Okay, you're tell not, you what, why don't you save this story for after the break, because you're about 20 seconds away, and I know you can't do this in 20 seconds. Am I right? Uh, you are right. <laughs> I'm, I am about to go on a full-on rant. Okay, so we're going to we're gonna let you collect your hold thoughts back. Uh, during this break, and then uh, after this, this break... This elephant's going to squeeze. <laughs> after this break, we'll get that story from Pastor Wolf Miller, and then come back, finish crunching the song uh, White Flag, and then uh, continue on. If you have a, a praise song submission for us, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. As always, you can check out our website, tabletalkradio.org, and check out our merchandise shop right there on uh, the page there. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio after the break. It's a movement, not a radio show. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. All right, let's do another email. Pastor Wolf there. Do you have an email there? I think I got a couple that we can cover in this segment. I got one from this character called Thomas Wolfmuller. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this one. As I was driving home this week, uh, worrying about all the stuff going on in Washington, how my life was being affected, I saw a yarn sign that said, Need help? Call Jesus. 1-800, and here's the number. Out of curiosity and desperation, I did. A Mexican showed up with a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, boy. <laughs> sure, that's good. Thanks, Tom. Now, here's another one, by the way. Uh, hello, Lumpy. I'm a big fan of your work. I had some Seventh-day Adventists come over to my house and conversate with me. I like that verb, conversate. Yes, this is, by you the way. You could also pronounce it conversate. This is, by the way, the first email to Lumpy at TableTalkRadio.org. This is? Yes. Look at that. I see it now. To Lumpy at TableTalk. Why did it come to me? Uh, I I don't know. Did Lumpy that, Is Lumpy forwarding is a, his mail to me? That is a mystery. I have no idea how that got to you. Huh. Let's get Lumpy to, in here to answer this question. Hold on. Lumpy! <laughs> is he there? I mean, yeah, I'm what here. A, what a coincidence that you're there at the church. Oh, yeah, he's handy. I like to stay uh, close in case you guys need me. Uh huh. Okay, right, so here, uh, you got an email here. Email to me. Yeah, I'm a big fan of your work. Well, thank you, David. I had some Seventh Day Adventists come over to my house and conversate. Uh, that can also be pronounced conversate. <laughs> Yo, your associate, Pastor Wolfman, said the same thing. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I've been pressing them pretty hard, but can use some ammunition as they will be coming back for more after the Christmas season. Let me know. Thanks, David. All right. All right. I'm on the job, Seventh David. Seventh-day Adventists, is that who, who we're dealing with? Seventh-day Adventists. Um, well, I I don't know what, what uh, kind of things he's been been talking about. Of course, the, the big hurrah for the Seventh-day Adventists is the uh, the day of, of worship. And uh, we talked about that one time, didn't we? Is that from Colossians? 
Uh, yes. Uh, the, let no one judge you the days, seasons, fasts, etc. All that. Yep. Well, that's a, a good text. Um, what else are the uh, that Adventists well, are big into end time theology too. Right, that's right. You know what I want to do is, uh, if it would be all right with you guys, if I'm going to do a little work on this, and then maybe next show I'll come back during the your uh, during your uh, commercial break, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about Seventh Day Adventists. How's that? Yeah, sound? Lumpy, I appreciate that. So I, I you actually, got it. I'm always Lumpy, here. Lumpy, I really appreciate you just taking up another commercial break, so we don't have to address any other emails. So, all right, we'll go back <laughs> to the it. show then. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Okay, Pastor Wolfman, there people have uh, gotten a safe distance from the radio. Um, <laughs> think, think, you know, all breakables have been removed from the room. And now, now, please continue your tirade. The Aurora, I'm just, I'm just warming up. So now, the, so the Aurora Police, God bless them, had a meeting on Monday morning at the DoubleTree Hotel, and I was there because uh, they invited all the pastors, what they called faith leaders, to and, come to this conference. And you have a, a frequent guest card at the Doubletree Hotel, don't you? <laughs> no, that's the that's not the Doubletree. That's the, uh, the uh, what's the thing that I go to? I that's know. a different one. Anyway, <laughs> I can't think of it now. That was, a, so that was a synodical bureaucrat joke, just for those of you. In St. Louis. I got that. It's not the Doubletree. Anyway, maybe it is. I can't think of it. Now, I was sitting there eating my breakfast, sitting between the Korean Catholic lady and the Calvary Chapel guy, and uh, and someone gets up there to give an invocation to who knows what and who knows who. I mean, it was, it was like some Unitarian lady pastor giving an invocation to the snowflakes, or like the cedar trees. <laughs> I don't know. So I couldn't. Elephant uh, coffee. In, invoking someone, but that's, this is the, invo- you know, when you invoke something, you... you you should probably use their name, but who knows what the name of the universe is? My goodness. Hey, anyone out there? Kind of invocation. Your invocation shouldn't end with a question mark. In invoking whatever your concept of God is, it's like fill in the blank prayer. Dear, pause for silence. Oh, this is terrible. And then I got to hear a sermon, a sermon, a full on sermon about how the Goliath, our societal Goliath, that we all need to stand against, the, the murderer that's, that's destroying all our society and everything, is the NRA. Lord have mercy. This is Now, I was embarrassed. This is, the, this is where I was going. I was embarrassed for the first time, and genuinely embarrassed, to be considered among this group of people called faith leaders. I mean, it's just an act of, they're just insane. They don't, don't believe in anything. Was it's this just, was this hosted by the ministerium for the police, or was this? No, it was hosted by the police for the ministerium. Mm-hmm. Boy, it was terrible. The the Calvary Chapel guy next to me uh, stood up and left, which I don't blame him. I mean, it was just so, we're buds now. So now, I mean, this, so they, whoever was was giving this little sermon thought everybody would be in agreement because of the shooting in Aurora a few months ago, probably. It was, I mean, how the NRA wants to put weapons of mass destruction in everyone, everyone's hands and everything like this, and, oh, it's terrible. Now, it showed me, by the way, that black Pentecostalism and uh, uber-liberal Unitarian whatever-ism come from the same place, and, the, and that is the place that says that the purpose of the church is to alleviate social ills. Hmm. 
which is a bad place to be from, because that, in fact, is not why Jesus has a church on the earth. He has his church down here on the earth to forgive sins. Now, uh, this sense of being embarrassed to be a part of the clergy uh, is is starting to expand now. This was like this is when this feeling of shame was born, but now it's just continuing to grow. The more and more I'm seeing, just in the last few days, all the kind of nonsense out there in uh, uh, that that goes under the under the flag of Christianity, including now this song. Now I'm already ramped up for this because I'm I'm already feeling the shame of being lumped in with goofy Christianity and now and now Chris Tomlin comes along and tries to put these words in my mouth. Oh, we raise our we raise our white flag. We surrender all to you. Oh man, do you see now? Do you see how many how many false doctrines are contained in that one word surrender? You. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll walk through it. Here, I'll give you this definition from Wikipedia again, and but I will insert it with my comment. To surrender in spirituality and religion means that a believer completely gives up his own will. That, so the first assumption is that we have a free will, <laughs> that we're not totally uh, uh, lost in our sin, that we have some sort of freedom to give up our freedom. You see, that's what surrender is. So freedom begins with the assumption of my autonomy and my freedom and the power of my own will. Uh, thoughts, deeds, and ideas to the will and teaching of a higher power. Surrender is a willful acceptance. So this is the idea that we can willfully accept something and yielding to a dominating force and their will. And that's the second error, which is maybe even worse than the first, the rejection of, uh, I mean, the assertion of free will, is that the Lord comes to in domination, in coercion. I mean, surrender is a military term because those guys have more guns and more power than me, so I'm going to lay down my gun and stop my fighting. So the Lord has now outgunned me, and I'm going to now submit and lay down my, my will and my freedom to him because he's, been, because he's proven himself to be stronger than me? I mean, that's crazy. We just had the triumphal entry of Jesus, and, and so here Jesus comes, and, and the text can't be more clear. See, your king comes to you uh, humble, lowly, riding on a donkey. Jesus comes in lowliness, not in power. He doesn't come with armies. He comes to die. He comes in, he, he, he comes, uh, in, in this lowly, humble, rejectable, peaceful, uh, uh, way to come and save us. Not as a, as an army marching through. <sighs> yeah, I everything was, about that word surrender is wrong. I was thinking if that we were going to take, um, because the problem that's presented in the first stanza is that we cannot win this fight. Well, the, uh, the fight against whom? Well, the fight would have to be against God, right? We as, we as enemies of God, born of enemies of God. And then if we then are surrendering, this is this really means our death, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know. I don't think. No, that's not what it's talking about. No, but see the yeah. I mean, oh, that's what that's what you're saying. That that would be. have to be the result, but that's not what they mean. Right. Um. I mean right. the the only the only surrender would be death. I mean, you, uh, the, God's not taking POWs. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's right. I mean, which is the, see, the, this is this utter confusion of law and gospel that mysticism has. 
that instead of letting the law go all the way and and say, you know, we, we are utterly condemned, and then the gospel go all the way, which says that Jesus is utterly condemned in our place that we might have life. It's this kind of uh, this middle ground. Like we're rebellious, but we're not that rebellious. And this, because the solution still is in our ability to lay down our weapons, right. raise yeah. our right, that we surrender. Yeah. And now I'm a Christian because why? Because I've surrendered. And my surrendering now makes me one with God. Ooh. Yeah, given the opportunity, we end up, you know, doing the right thing, you know. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so you're going to mark this pretty high on mysticism. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, besides besides the, all this nonsense that we're talking about, it also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, who knows what else this... I mean, you took our rightful place. That probably has to do with the cross. We lift the cross of the... This freedom song is marching on, which is kind of a weird sentence. You made the way for peace. I know what that down. Laying your body down. I don't know what that means. I think it must mean the lying, the, the being laid in the tomb. That's got to be what that means, but that's a weird thing. Well, laying it down Here, on the cross. Because, look, and, the cross was laying down before they, they, they hoisted it up. Oh, all right, fine. But look, it says, <laughs> here on this holy ground. Now, look at that. This is, Here on this holy ground. You see that line in there? What's the holy ground? Is it not, It's not the place of Jerusalem where the cross was. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Where they're the singing holy the ground, song. Dear, yes, that's right. The holy ground <laughs> is the place where you're swept up into singing this song. See? Oh. Whew. I'm sure you meant because that's where we're in Sacramento. Well, well, look, I mean, Chris Tomlin is good at this. There's a reason why his songs are number one. <laughs> okay, let's get to the next one. I think this one's crunched. Yeah. Okay, right. now, the city, uh, the city Harmonic with Manifesto. The song continues, we are free, he died and lives again, we will be a people freed from sin, we'll be free, a kingdom with no end, and all the people of God sing along, amen, amen, yeah, amen, amen, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) our father who art in heaven, hallowed 
be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the, the kingdom, power, and glory forever. We're singing, amen, amen, yeah, amen, amen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so we need to uh, hit another commercial break, and we'll be right back. Try to finish this quick crunch, and then head into our nameless Bible study segment. You're on to the tech. <laughs> Table Talk Radio. It's like spinach. We know you don't want to, but it's good for you. All right, this is the last break in Table Talk Radio, but we have another email for you. From Aaron, who uh, sends an email, help help wife gets bored with Bible B and uh, another thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Dear Table yeah, Talk Radio, I've ignored your warning not to marathon Table Talk Radio because I thought it had a less dangerous vice than marathoning GW. That stands for God Visperers. I kept dreaming about bacon, was getting sick of waking up in a puddle of drool. Anywho, uh, I've introduced the wonderful game of Bible Bee with my wife. We had fun with it for a while, but I began sensing her boredom when she began to answer, I don't know, Jude, First Peter, Exodus, in a very monotonous, uninterested tone. My suspicions were confirmed when she said, Aaron, you know all the books of the Bible I know well. This isn't fun anymore. As a side note, this seems to be how all things all how all things games go with us. Sigh. Anyhow, got me thinking. This is a totally a game I'd like to use to teach my children the Bible, but it would not be fun for them because they know the Bible, because my narcissism would take over, and I'd likely lord over the fact that they don't know where the word raven is used in the Old Testament. What? It's obvious. Raven. Think about it. In Buddy the Elf voice. Uh-oh. I don't know who does that imitation. Have you ever thought about producing Bible B flashcards that have select Bible passages, verses, or words on them for playing? This way, children could learn the Bible passage from the card and learn where it is without getting discouraged and not knowing it already. It might be something to think about. It could also be an advertisement that while the show is at best mediocre, the content is at least mediocre because God's Word is properly taught. Just a thought. If you're afraid I would look elsewhere for such resource because you could not produce it fast enough, let me assure you, my children have four or five years before they can read. My wife is just 20 weeks pregnant with our first, so I'm in no hurry. That might Good. also have something to do with the reason why she gets bored with your games. Also, I thought of a new game for you. Name that heretic. You could read either a section of a refuting document by a church council or a section of a writing from a heretic. Then the other would have to guess the heretic and get bonus points for guessing the heresy. Look at that. Look what Aaron calls you. The other. Just a thought. Keep up the mediocrity, Aaron. <laughs> You know, now, this, by the way, I have advice th- for Aaron. Well, no, no, you don't, because this is completely unrelatable to you. Because your wife didn't get uh, Carrie didn't get get bored with this game. She whooped you in this game. <laughs> That's why I married her. She beat me in Bible <laughs> trivia. That's true. That's a true story. She beat me in Bible trivia, and I said, I gotta marry this woman. <laughs> now, if so, dear ladies, if you're ever visiting, uh, this Evan's is why I'm single. There, no, I have found no woman who can beat me in Bible <laughs> trivia. And if he invites you out for coffee and says, I want to play Bible trivia, you know what he's doing. He's courting you. Now, one, Anyhow. The, the one thing you can do with your kiddos is uh, give them the Bible, let them pull up onto a, a page, and then test you. Right. Um, That's the way. you got to go back and forth. Now, and the way to do it is this way, is that, uh, is that one person gets the Bible. The, whoever, whoever is the not-as-good person gets the Bible. And whoever knows the Scriptures better... 
holds on to the catechism with explanation. So that the verses that you're giving to your wife would be the from the catechism with explanation, which are generally more well-known verses, uh, a little bit easier to guess. And when and they the, should know. The, uh, yeah, and yeah, that's right. So, so that that uh, is how to make the game a little bit easier is pick those texts from the cate- from the catechism. So, so th- really, we could make cards. I mean, use just a couple minutes. We could make some cards up. I'm sure. Get our I thought crack. you had some cards. I do have a few Bible memory cards hanging around, but uh, we could get our crack, what is that called, team that makes our junk, uh, swag team. We could probably put it on our little store. But easiest thing is just to get the catechism and try that, Aaron. All right. Thanks for uh, writing in to tabletalkradio.org. Back to the show. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, Pastor. Starting now. I'm ready. Oh, good, good. Uh, so uh, we we okay, okay. I'm ready now. Okay. Welcome back to Table. <laughs> uh, all right. So we right before the break, we played this yes. song uh, "Manifesto" by the City yeah, Harmonic. Right, now, right. I'm gonna say, well, first let's ask: Is Jesus mentioned? Yes, we believe in Father, Spirit, Son. That Son part's Jesus. By the way, why does it say Father, Spirit, Son, and not Father, Son, Spirit? Because it doesn't rhyme. Because, yeah, Son rhymes with one. Right. That's a that's a trick. That's like praise song writing 101. Yep. 101. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so Jesus has mentioned, um, what about repetition? Is there any repetition in this Fantastically re- repetitious with the amen, amen, yeah, amen, 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 yeah, yeah. Now, you took away the description because of the uh, public outcry and this um, on the Praise Song Country 2.0 from the repetition being a hypnotic mantra. Yeah. Um, because you remember all the uh, uh, hypnotists that decried our use right, of Right, right. Um, however, this, this has a pattern, I think, to kind of lure one into a, a state of hypnosis <laughs> with the it all does. men, all men, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the words are pretty good, though. I mean, we are free, he died, he lives again, and we'll be people freed from sin. I mean, we are people freed from sin, so we, and we will be. I mean, both are true. Sure. We'll sure. be free, we are free, a kingdom with no end, started already, etc. And the people of God do sing amen. And then this is just the um, the Lord's Prayer here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't crunch the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. But it's putting it all in the context of this uh, very repetitious amen, 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 amen. amen. So it's a weird sort of mix. So the question is, does the does the repetition crunch this song? Um, um I think what the re- <sighs> this is really tricky. I mean, yes, in a way it does. I mean, it, it is enough to do it, but it's so it would probably at least the repetition takes this it would take this song away from appropriateness in corporate worship and m- maybe put it into into the kind of more devotional uh, uh, listening sort of thing, um, but I think the repetition would discredit it from from it, uh, being useful in uh, in a congregational setting. Okay, so do you th- what, I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I definitely think that is the intent of the repetition, um, so that you are applying words that hardly anyone can disagree with. I mean, hey, you are going to take issue with the Lord's prayer. Hey, 
but it's putting it in this uh, this repetition for the purpose of the mysticism. I yep. think. Yeah. Right. Okay. So for the last so crunch. Uh, thank you, by the way, Brandon, for sending sending those in. Keep them coming and keep and listening for the in California. Yeah, we appreciate those too. Now, for our <laughs> uh, nameless Bible study segment, um, we are looking at Romans chapter eight. Now, the a particular portion here. Uh, let's take uh, verse twenty six and uh, and following. So get out your iPods. Twenty six through thirty. I'm using the old paper version. What? Yeah, this, they still sell those. This is paper 2.0, though. So, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, so, this, starting with verse 26 says, "In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows the mind of this uh, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God." And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of, uh, among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, so let's, should we stop there, or should we? Keep, yeah. Oh no. man, this is beautiful. Yeah. This is like, uh, this, this is like you're going. You know, they, hold on, here no, they no, have hold on. mountains. I, I have to read two more verses. I don't oh, think okay, we can okay. stop there. Two more oh, verses. Yeah, yeah. And what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him, uh, delivered Him for us all. How will He not also with Him freely give us all things? That's beautiful. You should just keep going, really. Yeah, let's just I mean, spend the rest of this, this yeah. segment just reading Romans 8. This Now, I think these next verses, I think this is directly talking about the devil. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. The devil can't stand in the counsel of God. Who condemns? Christ died. The, the devil can't condemn us anymore. He's at the right hand of God. He makes intercession for us. And then who can separate us from the love of God, of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, uh, for your sake, we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Ugh, this whole thing is fantastic. This is like the this is like the peak of the mountain of Scripture. This Romans chapter eight. This is beautiful. It's just packed with comfort. Okay, so one of the things that we have to deal with in this is the uh, the text of uh, predestination, foreknowledge, and called, and all of this. Um, so how do we understand this, Pastor? HDC, by the way, high density comfort. That's what I'm calling this. <laughs> this has this passage has an HDC rating of five out of five. That's a new thing. I just invented it. Now the you ask the question of predestination, and Paul is very handy with that because in chapter nine, ten, and eleven he's going to go into this predestination and how does it apply to the Jews, especially those that rejected Christ, has God cost, uh, cast out his people, etc. Uh, but here he says in chapter eight. Those he, i got to look at it, verse 29, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, see, this is, this is so helpful because we can't know the foreknowledge of God. It's God's, own, it's God's own knowledge. We can't get to it. And we can't know the, predestined, the predestination of God because we weren't, weren't around. That's the whole point. It's pre-us. <laughs> so you, you don't have access to that. So how do you know if you are foreknown and predestined? And we don't. Well, you know we, it. And we can't in the call. look into the future either and see if we're glorified or not. 
Right, yeah, that's right. So you know it by the call and by the justification. So if you are called, that is, if you have heard the gospel, then this is really quite wonderful. If If the promise of the forgiveness of sins has been brought to you by the Holy Spirit through the means of whatever, preacher or baptism or reading the Bible, then you can know that you are that you are foreknown and you are predestined. So that the knowledge that our our knowledge of of, of our future glory and our pre future destination <laughs> is seen precisely in the call of the gospel, which is not a lie. The absolution is not a lie. It is uh it is the Lord bringing his victory of the cross right to us. Boom dumping it on us. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, this last part, uh, I think, is one that I go to all the time in, um, in talking with people in uh, matters of pastoral care. Because, I mean, what happens is, you know, uh, your wife or husband gets in a car accident or uh, your mom gets cancer or whatever. You know, some some huge thing happens. And we're, we're immediately led by the devil, the world, or our flesh to think, uh, God has left me. God has uh, forsaken me. Uh, but Paul's words here, as, as being the high-density comfort as it is, 5 out of 5 rating, um, brings us back to the truth that if if God is going to spare his very own son for us, is he not also going to give us all good things? So uh, th- this was the choice before God the Father. Um, I, can, I can let all the... Uh, the people of the world perish in their sin and save my very own beloved son, or I can send my own beloved son unto death and save the entire world. And what our Father, our Heavenly Father, chose to do was to send his own son to death to save us. Now the question that Paul brings before us then, if God is willing to do that in fellowship with his very own son to save you, is he going to leave you in this moment when you get cancer? Or this moment when you're getting a car accident. And of course, the answer is no. Yeah. Will he not also give us all things? I mean, he gave himself. I mean, that's and we already have all things. That's beautiful stuff. <laughs> so, so now, now this this gives us a place to look in the moment of crisis, doesn't it? Right. We can look at the cross. We we can it, hear of his word where his his cross is delivered to us, and and as long as that stands as true, as long as the cross stands as a historical reality, then God has not left us. That's right. That's right. That's why we have the funeral poles white, because we we don't even despair in death. I mean, not even death can separate us from His love because we're made righteous five because we're points. called and justified. And five, po- five points oh. for for five uh, HDC <laughs> high density comfort. High density comfort. <laughs> this might be the the scripture passage with the highest HDC rating, except for maybe Second Corinthians one, but. Okay. Well, uh, we're still looking for a name for this segment. So if you uh, have ideas, uh, please send us an uh, email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or just give us a call, 1-800-385-7652. What's that number again? 1-800 what, Pastor Wolf Miller? 1-800-492-SOLO. Is that right? 385-SOLA. Hey, we got an email from Joe. Thanks, Joe, for seeing it in. He's... Uh, has the wise men in a nativity set calling Table Talk Radio. Uh, That's that's pretty good. Uh, So thank you for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like your hope of getting a prayer answered to your heavenly mother.
I'm using buzzwords. your buzzwords. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> the views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.